TED Talks are recorded live at the TED Conference and produced with WNYC New York Public Radio. This episode features documentary filmmaker Jahan Nujain, winner of the 2006 TED Prize. TED Talks are made possible through the support of BMW, where ideas are everything. Here's Jahan Nujain. Um, I can't help but this wish to think about when you're a little kid and you, uh, you, all your friends ask you if a genie could ask, give you one wish in the world, what would it be? And um, I always answered, well, I'd, I'd want the wish to uh, know, have the wisdom to know exactly what to wish for. Well, then you'd be screwed because you'd know what to wish for and you'd use up your wish. And now since we only have one wish, unlike last year, they had three wishes. I'm not going to wish for that. So let's get to what I would like, which is world peace. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, the poor girl up there, she thinks she's at a beauty pageant. She's not. She's at the TED Prize. But I... So... But I really do think it makes sense. Um, and I think that the first step to world peace is for people to meet each other. I've met each other, a lot of different people over the years, and I've filmed some of them from a dot-com executive in, uh, in New York that wanted to take over the world to a military press officer in Qatar that would rather not take over the world. If you've seen the film Control Room that was sent out, you'd understand a little bit why. Thank you. Wow, some of you watched it. That's great. That's great. Um, so, basically, I, I, what I'd like to talk about today is a way for people to travel, to meet people in a different way than, than, uh, than because you can't travel all over the world at the same time. And um, a, lo- a, a long time ago, well, about 40 years ago, um, my mom had uh, an exchange student. And this is Donna teaching my aunt how to do a Filipino dance. Now, I really think as the world is getting smaller, it becomes more and more important that we learn each other's dance moves, that we meet each other, we get to know each other, we, we, we are able to figure out a way to, to cross borders, to understand each other, to understand people's hopes and dreams, what makes them laugh and cry. And I know that we can't all do exchange programs, and I can't force everybody to travel. I've already talked about that to Chris and Amy, and they said that there's a problem with this. You can't force people free will, and I totally support that. So we're not forcing people to travel. But I'd like to talk about another way to travel that doesn't require a ship or an airplane and and just requires a movie camera, a projector, um, and a screen. And um, that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Um, Maybe uh, I I was asked that I speak a little bit about where I personally come from. And Cameron, I don't know how you managed to get out of that one, but I, um, I, I, I think that building bridges is important to me because of where I come from. I'm uh, the uh, daughter of an American mother and um, an Egyptian, Lebanese, Syrian father, so I'm the living product of two cultures coming together, no pun intended. And, um, and I've also been called as an Egyptian, Lebanese, Syrian, American with a Persian name, the Middle East Peace Crisis. So maybe me starting to take pictures was some kind of way to bring both sides of my family together, um, a way to take the worlds with me, a way to tell stories visually. Um, it, it all kind of started that way, but I think that I really realized the power of the image when I first went to the uh, garbage collecting village in Egypt when I was about 16. Um, my mother took me there, um, 
She's somebody that believes strongly in community service and decided that this was something that I needed to do. And so I went there and um, I met some amazing women there. There were people who, there was a, 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 a center there where they were teaching people how to read and, and write and get vaccinations against as many diseases you can get from sorting through garbage. And I began to start teaching there. I taught English and I met some incredible women there. I met um, people that live seven, seven people to a room barely can afford their evening meal, yet lived with this strength of spirit and sense of humor and just incredible qualities. I got drawn into this community, and I began to take pictures there. Um, I took pictures of uh, weddings and, and, I, and older family members, things that they wanted memories of. About two years after I started taking these pictures, the, the, the Cairo conference on, UN conference on population and development asked me to show them, uh, at the conference. So I was 18. I was very excited. It was my first exhibit of photographs and they were all put up there. And, um, after about two days, they all came down except for three. People were very upset, I, very angry that I was showing these dirty sides of Cairo and why didn't I cut the dead donkey out of the frame. And as I sat there, I, I got very depressed. I looked at this big empty wall with, you know, three lonely photographs that were, you know, very pretty photographs. And um, I, I was like, I, I failed at this. But, but I was looking at this intense emotion and intense feeling that had come out of people just seeing these photographs. I mean, here I was, this 18-year-old pipsqueak that nobody listened to, and all of a sudden I put these photographs on the wall, and there were arguments, and they had to be taken down, and I just saw the power of the image, and it was, it was incredible. And I think the most important reaction that I saw there was actually people that would never have gone to the garbage village themselves, that would never have seen that the human spirit could thrive in such difficult circumstances. And I think it was at that point that I decided that I wanted to use photography and film to somehow bridge gaps, to bridge cultures, bring people together, cross borders. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's what really kind of started me off. Um, did a stint at MTV, made a film called Startup.com. And then in about, about 2000, and worked on a couple of music films. But in 2003, when the war in Iraq was about to start, I felt um, I, 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 it, was, it was a very surreal feeling for me because before the war started, there was kind of this media war that was going on. And I was watching television in New York, and there seemed to be just one point of view that was coming across. And it, it went from, the, the coverage went from the U.S. State Department to embedded troops. And what people were, what, what was coming across on the news was that there was going to be this clean war and precision bombings and the Iraqis would be greeting the Americans as liberators and throwing flowers at their feet in the streets of Baghdad. And I knew that there was a completely other story that was, that was taking place in, in the Middle East where my parents were. I knew that there was a completely other story being told. And I was thinking, how are people supposed to communicate with each other when they're getting completely different messages and nobody knows what the other's being told? How are people supposed to have any kind of common understanding or know how to move together into the future? So I knew that I had to go there. Um, I just wanted to be in the center. I did, had no plan. I had no funding. Um, I didn't even have a camera at the time. I had somebody bring it there. Um, because I wanted to get access to Al Jazeera, George Bush's favorite channel. And um, 
a place which I was very curious about because it's disliked by many governments across the Arab world and also uh, called the mouthpiece of Osama bin Laden by some people in the U.S. government. So I was thinking, you know, this, this station that's hated by, by so many people has to be doing something right. I've got to go see what this is all about. Um, and I also wanted to go see Central Command, which was 10 minutes away. And that way I could get access to how this news was being created. Um, on the Arab side, reaching the Arab world, and on the U.S. and Western side, reaching the U.S. And when I went there and sat there and met these people that were in the center of it and, and sat with these characters, I've, I met some surprising, very complex people. And I'd like to share with you a little bit of, of that experience of, of when you sit with somebody and you film them and you listen to them and you allow them more than a five-second sound bite, the, ama- the amazing complexity and the, of people emerge. Um, and I'd like to, to share that with you. Business as usual, Iraq, uh, and then Iraq, and then Iraq. But between us, if I'm offered a job with Fox, I will take it. To change the Arab nightmare into American dream. I still have that dream. Maybe I will never be able to do it, but uh, I have plans for my children. When they finish their high school, I will send them to America to study there. I will pay for their study, and they will stay there. The night they showed the POWs and the dead soldiers, Al Jazeera showed them. It was powerful because America doesn't show those kind of images. We, most of the news in America won't show really gory images. And this showed American soldiers in uniform strewn about a floor, a cold tile floor. And it was uh, revolting. It was absolutely revolting. It made me sick in my stomach. And then what hit me was the night before there had been some kind of bombing in Basra. And Al Jazeera had shown uh, images of the people. And, the, and they were equally if not more horrifying the images were and I remember having seen it in the Al Jazeera office and thought to myself wow that, that, that's that's gross that's 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 bad and then going away and probably eating dinner or something and you know it, it didn't affect me as much so the impact that had on me me realizing that I, I just saw people on the other side and those Al- people in the Al Jazeera office Al Jazeera office must have felt the way I was feeling that night and it upset me on a profound level that I wasn't as bothered as much the night before. It it makes me hate war, but it doesn't make me believe that we're in a world that can live without war yet. Now, sorry for the repetitiveness repetitiveness for people who have seen the film, but I, uh, I was overwhelmed by the response of the film, for we didn't know whether it would be able to get out there. We had no funding for it. We were incredibly lucky that it got picked up um, and uh, when we showed the film uh, in both the United States and the Arab world, we had such incredible reactions. It was amazing to see how people were moved by this film. In the Arab world, um, and it's not really by the film, it's by the characters. I mean, Josh Rushing was this incredibly complex person who was thinking about things. And when I showed the film in the Middle East, people said, 
people wanted to meet Josh, he kind of redefined us as an American population. He, people started to, you know, t- ask me, you know, where is this guy now? Al Jazeera offered him a job. Um, and, uh, and uh, Samir, you know, on the other hand, was, was, was also quite an interesting character for the Arab world to see because it brought out the complexities of this love-hate relationship that the Arab world has with the West. Um, in the United States, I was, I was blown away by the, the, by, by the motivations, the positive motivations of the American people when, when they'd see this film, um, you know, we're criticized abroad for feeling like we're, the, we're believing we're the saviors of the world in some way. But, but the flip side of it is that Actually, when people do see what is happening abroad and people's reactions to some of our policy abroad, we feel this, this power that we need to, we feel like we have to get the power to change things. And I saw this with audiences. This woman, woman came up to me after the screening and said, um, you know, I know this is crazy. I saw the bombs being loaded on the planes. I saw the military going out to war. But you don't understand people's anger towards us until you see the people in the hospitals and the victims of the war. And how do we get out of this bubble? How do we understand what the other person um, is thinking? Now, I don't know whether a film can change the world. But I know that it starts, I know the power of it. I know that it starts people thinking about how to change the world. Um, I think everybody's had that feeling of sitting in a theater in a dark room with other strangers watching a very powerful film, and they felt that feeling of transformation. And what I'm talking about is, what I'd like to talk about is how can we use that, that, that feeling to actually create a movement through film? It's about connecting people through film, getting these independent voices out there. Now, um, Josh Rushing actually ended up leaving the military and taking a job with Al Jazeera. So his, his feeling is that he's going to, it's Al Jazeera International, because he feels like he can actually use media to bridge the gap between East and West. Um, and, and that's an amazing thing. But I, I've been trying to think about ways to, to, to give power to these independent voices, to give power to the filmmakers, to give power to, to people who are trying to use film for change. And there are incredible organizations that are out there doing this already. There's Witness that you heard from earlier. There's Just Vision that are working with Palestinians and Israelis who are working together for peace and documenting that process and getting interviews out there and using this film to take to Congress to show that it's a powerful tool to show that this is a, a, a woman who's had her daughter killed in an attack, and she believes that there are peaceful ways to solve this. There's um, working films, and there's Current TV, which is an incredible platform for people around the world to be able to put their... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I, I, I watched it, and I'm just I'm blown away by it, and its potential to bring, bring voices from around the world, independent voices from around the world, and create a truly democratic global television. So what can we do to create a platform for these organizations to, to, to create some momentum, to get everybody in the world involved in this movement. I'd like for us to imagine for a second. Imagine a day when you have everyone coming together from around the world. You have towns and uh, villages and uh, theaters um, all from around the world getting together and sitting in the dark and sharing a communal experience of watching a film 
or a couple films together. Watching a film which maybe highlights a character that, that is fighting to live or just a character that defies stereotypes, makes a joke, sings a song, comedies, documentaries, shorts. This amazing power can be used to change people and to bond people together, to cross borders and have people feel like they're having a communal experience. So if you imagine this day when all around the world you have theaters from around the world and, and places where we project films, if you imagine from projecting from Times Square to Tahrir Square in Cairo, the same film in Ramallah, the same film in Jerusalem. Um, you know, we could even use, I've been talking to a friend of mine about using the side of the Great Pyramid and the Great Wall of China. Um, there, there's, there, there, it's, it's, it's endless, the, the, what you can imagine in terms of where you can project films and where you can have this communal experience. And I believe that this one day, if we can create it, this one day can create momentum for all of these independent voices. There isn't a, there, there isn't an organization which is connecting the independent voices of the world to get out there. And yet I'm hearing throughout this conference that the biggest danger in our future is understanding the other and having mutual respect for the other and crossing borders. And if film can do that, and if we can get all of these different locations in the world to watch these films together, this could be an incredible day. So we've already made a partnership, actually, um, set up through a TED, uh, somebody from the TED community. Uh, John came and introduced me to Stephen Avcon from the uh, Jacob Burns Film Center, and we started calling up everybody. And in the last week, there have been so many people that have responded to us, from as close as Palo Alto to Mongolia and to India. There are people that want to be a part of this global day of film, to be able to provide a platform for independent voices and independent films to get out there. Now, we've thought about a name for this day, and I'd like to share this with you. Now, the most amazing part of this whole process has been sharing, uh, sharing ideas and wishes, and so I invite you to give brainstorms on how, how, how does this day echo into the future? How do we use technology to make this day echo into the future so that we can build community and have these communities working together through the internet. There was a day, there was a time many, many years ago when all of the continents were stuck together and we call that landmass Pangea. So what we'd like to call this day of film is Pangea Cinema Day. And if you just imagine that all of these people in these towns would be watching then uh, I think that we can actually really make a movement towards people understanding each other better. I, I know that it's very intangible, touching people's hearts and souls, but the only way that I know how to do it, the only way that I know how to reach out to somebody's heart and soul all across the world is by showing them a film. And I know that there are independent filmmakers and films out there that can really make this happen. Johnny James. That was Jahan Nujame, recorded at the TED Conference in Monterey, California, February 2006. TED Talks are produced by WNYC New York Public Radio for TED. TED Talks are made possible in part through the support of BMW, where ideas are everything. For more information on TED, visit TED.com.